acknowledging Ian's superior, if somewhat tentative, rank. Balfour at your service. Ian shook hands with as much hearty bonhomie as he could muster. Welcome to you and your family, Baron. If you'll introduce me to your womenfolk and your son, I'll make my brothers known to them and we can be on our way. The civilities were observed while Ian tacitly appraised his prospective countess. The taller blonde, Eugenia Daniels, was his marital quarry, and she blushed and stammered her greetings with empty-headed good manners. She did not appear reluctant, which meant he could well end up married to her, provided he could dredge up sufficient charm to woo her. And he could. Not ten years after the worst famine known to the British Isles, a strong back and a store of charm were about all that was left to him, so by God, he would use both ruthlessly to his family's advantage. Connor and Gill comported themselves with similarly counterfeit cheer, though on Con the exercise was not as convincing. Con was happy to go all day without speaking, much less smiling, though Ian knew he too understood the desperate nature of their charade. Daniels made a vague gesture in the direction of the chaperones. My sister-in-law, Mrs. Julia Redmond, my niece, Augusta Merrick. He turned away as he said the last his gaze on the men unloading a mountain of trunks from the train. Thank God Ian had thought to bring the wagon in addition to the coach. The English did set store by their finery. The Baron's son, Colonel Matthew Daniels, late of Her Majesty's cavalry, excused himself from the introductions to oversee the transfer of baggage to the wagon. Ladies, Ian winged an arm at each of the older women. I'll have you on your way in no time. This is so kind of you, the shorter woman said, taking his arm. Mrs. Redmond was a pretty thing, petite, with perfect skin, big brown eyes, and rich chestnut curls peeking out from under the brim of a lavender silk cottage bonnet. Ian placed her somewhere just a shade south of thirty. A lovely age on a woman, Con would call it a dalliable age. Only as Ian offered his other arm to the second woman, did he realize she was holding a closed hat-box in one hand, and a reticule in the other. Mrs. Redmond held out a gloved hand for the hat-box. Oh, Gus, do give me Ulysses. The hat-box emitted a disgruntled yowl. Anne felt an abrupt yearning for a not-so-wee drum, for now he'd sunk to hosting not just the wealthy English, but their dyspeptic felines as well. I will carry my own pet, the taller lady said, Miss Merrick. A man who was a host for hire had to be good with names. She hunched a little more tightly over her hat-box, as if she feared her cat might be torn from her clutches by force. Perhaps you'd allow me to carry your bag, so I might escort you to the coach. Ian cocked his arm at her again, a slight gesture he'd meant to be gracious. The lady twisted her head on her neck, not straightening entirely, and peered up at him out of a pair of violet gentian eyes. That colour was completely at variance with her bent posture, her pinched mouth, the unrelieved black of her hair, the wilted grey silk of her old-fashioned coal-scuttle bonnet, and even with the expression of impatience in the eyes themselves. The Almighty had tossed even this cranky besom a bone, but these beautiful eyes in the context of this woman were as much burden as benefit. They insulted the rest of her somehow, mocked her, and threw her numerous shortcomings into high relief. The two shawls, worn in public no less, half slipping off her shoulders. 
the hem of her gown two inches farther away from the planks of the platform than was fashionable. The cat yowling its discontent in the hat-box. The finger poking surreptitiously from the tip of her right glove. Gazing at those startling eyes, Anne realized that despite her bearing and her attire, Miss Merrick was probably younger than he was, at least chronologically. Come, Gussie, Mrs. Redmond said, reaching around Ian for the reticule. We'll hold up the coach, which will make Willard difficult, and I am most anxious to see Lord Balfour's home. And I am anxious to show it off to you. Anne offered an encouraging smile, noting out of the corner of his eye that Gill and Con were bundling their charges into the waiting coach. The sky was full of bright, puffy little clouds scudding against an azure canvas, but this was Scotland in high summer, and the weather was bound to change at any minute out of sheer contrariness. Miss Merrick put her gloved hand on his sleeve.